good morning to you. Man, thank you so much for braving these frigid January temperatures to be with us this morning. For all of those of you who said it was cold back in December when it was 40, for the record, today is cold. That's what cold is. So I'm glad you're here. It's good to see you. I hope that uh, you've had a great week and are having a great weekend. Uh, Make sure you pick up a bulletin. All the announcements there are very important. Uh, We've got some uh, really good things coming up. We've got baby showers coming up. Yeah, i got Miss Caitlin back there that's having her baby shower on Saturday. And then we've got one planned for Miss Whitney later on. So we've, uh, I I like having baby showers. I really do. And uh, uh, we'll be planning one soon for uh, the the twins that are coming and excited about that. So we're going to. We're going to have a lot of babies, uh, hopefully, uh, we'll be celebrating here very soon. But it's good to see you here this morning. Thank you for being a part of our worship service. Make sure you get a bulletin, read all of the announcements that are there. Everything is very, very important. Brandon, I think you had something real quick. Uh, We are bringing our Easter choir back. I'm super excited about it. Uh, We are going to meet starting this Thursday night at 6 o'clock downstairs in the choir room. If you are interested at all, please come and join us. If you have any questions about it, please come see me. Uh, We're just going to have a great time of singing together, uh, celebrating and remembering why we celebrate Easter. And so I hope that you would come and join us Thursday at 6 o'clock. Thank you. Appreciate Brandon being willing to put that together in the absence of us having our full-time worship leader. Uh, And while we're in the process of looking for that individual, Brandon has uh, so graciously stepped forward and he's leading us in worship on Sunday mornings. And he's also uh, has uh, given of his own time and energy to bring uh, us something, put something together for us to have an Easter, which, by the way, is the last Sunday in March this year. It's early. Uh, so I uh, want to encourage you, if you would like to sing with that choir, be here Thursday night, uh, 6 o'clock, right downstairs in the choir room. Let's take just a moment to pray together, and uh, then we'll begin our time of worship through song. Our Father and our God, it's always good to be in a house of worship with God's people gathered around to declare with one voice your glory and your greatness. And Lord, today we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for who you are. And we know, Lord, that you love us with an everlasting love. And for that, we, we are so grateful because we know we don't deserve it. We, we, we haven't earned it. There's nothing about us that warrants the God of heaven to show us favor. But you give that to us because you love us. And, Lord, we're so grateful. We ask you to guide us this morning, Lord, as we have our time of worship together. We want the songs we sing. Uh, we want the, the meditations of our heart the fellowship we enjoy, uh, the studying of your word together. We want everything that we do today to bring honor and glory to your name. So we just pray that you're going to guide us and you're going to lead us through that. That, Lord, you're going you're to speak to our hearts, that you're going to reveal your, your truth to us, that you're going to reveal to us uh, your grace and your mercy, that we may worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, we just want to say we love you and we thank you for loving us. Guide us is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, now let's stand together and sing. Today we're just going to sing some good old hymns of the faith. So let's stand together as we sing. Have you been to 
Good morning. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful yet cold day. Uh, We're reminded that the seasons change, they come and go, but you are still the same eternal God, and we thank you for that. And we thank you for this uh, time we get to worship, uh, be with Pastor Tommy as uh, he brings the message. Uh, Anoint his lips, give us listening ears to hear. And bless the tithes and offerings, and may everything that takes place in this next hour be pleasing and acceptable to you. And we pray this on Christ's name. Amen. Well, let's continue singing as we worship together.
my story Aren't you glad our Savior gives us that assurance? Thank you for your singing. You may be seated. I was supposed to do this a little bit earlier, and I apologize that I didn't, but all of our kids that want to go to kids' church, we're going to let you guys slip out if you hadn't already, uh, make your way uh, to the, uh, well, technically that's the front doors. But we're going to let you go that way and meet uh, your leaders at uh, the double doors there, and they'll be taking you to the kids' church room, which is directly below us in this building. So uh, if you are uh, supposed to retrieve a child at the end of service, that's where you'll find them uh, downstairs. And so I want to encourage you to uh, to uh, pray for them as they're making their way down and, and getting ready for kids' church today. If you have your Bible, would you join me in the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 3. Nehemiah, chapter number 3, something that I rarely, rarely do uh, is use someone else's outline uh, for a particular passage of Scripture. But it wouldn't take but just a moment of perusing Nehemiah, chapter 3, to see that it can be an extremely difficult chapter. Uh, It is a chapter that lists for us the various names of the family groups uh, and the people who were tasked with rebuilding the wall under Nehemiah. And so at first glance, if you look at it, uh, it, it, you, you find a lot of difficult Hebrew names there uh, that may make it kind of hard to, uh, to, to read through it and, and to, to draw from it. But I want to share with you today, as we're looking at God's plan, my purpose, uh, we've been asking questions. Uh, why am I here? Why did God put me in this place at this time, uh, in this situation, to be a part of what's going on around me right now. We answered that in chapter 1. 
in chapter 2, we, we answered the question, what should I do? And we looked at Nehemiah's search for that answer. For four months, Nehemiah prayed and fasted. Uh, for four months, he sought God's answer to that question. What, Lord, what should I do? You've shown me why I'm here. He's a cupbearer in the king's court. He has access to the most powerful man on the planet at that time. He, he, has, uh, he has the ear of one who can either make things better or make things worse. And he had to ask that question and answer that question. Why am I here? Well, why did God put me in the king's court at this time in this season? And once God began to show him, then he had to ask God what should I do? Now today, we're answering the question, where do I fit in? So he knows why he's where he is. He knows what he's supposed to do. But now he has to figure out, then, then what, what's the next step? Where do I fit into this whole process? Uh, is it just me or is there, are there others that God is using? And in Nehemiah chapter 3, he's going to answer uh, part of that, pro- that question for us. Where do I fit in? I want to begin by just praying together uh, as we prepare to launch into this passage. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for your word that is living, it is active, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is authoritative. God, we can bank our life on your word and know that we are standing on truth. So now, God, we, we open up this chapter of this book. We, we read of Nehemiah, your servant, that you were going to use to do something mighty. And Lord, help us today to glean from his life and how you worked in his life, what we're to do now, here, today, how this applies to us on this January morning in the year 2024. The Lord, today when we leave here, we've done so much more than just had a Bible lesson or heard another sermon preached. But when we leave here today, we will have been confronted with the truth of your word. And your, your truth will have embedded itself into our heart and life. That we leave out of here walking in your purpose and in your plan for our life. Guide us as we study your word is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. In chapter 3, the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem has begun. When it's finished, to let you know that this is no small task, that wall is going to be two and a half miles long. To let you know the massive project that's being undertaken, this, this wall is going to be 39 feet high. It's going to be 8 feet thick. It will consist and contain 10 different gates and have 34 different watchtowers. That is a massive project. To answer the question, where do I fit in? I'm going to be using an outline that uh, is from a book that Brother Brandon actually shared with me on the book of Nehemiah. Uh, It's written by Dr. T.J. Betts. And he is an, an author and he's also an Old Testament professor at Southern uh, Baptist Theological Seminary. So this is going to be the outline that I'm using uh, simply because he does an amazing job of dealing with this 
and helping us understand what this chapter is really all about. Now, Nehemiah had been given the plan. He's going to rebuild a wall, and it was time to get the work. Today, God has revealed His plan for us. And His plan for us is very clear, just as His plan for for Nehemiah was. Nehemiah, rebuild that wall. This is something that is is bringing, this wall has been torn down, and and, and it's bringing a reproach upon the name of, of God. When people pass by this city of Jerusalem and they see these walls in rubble, it instead of bringing glory to God and people praising God for what He is doing and has done, instead they wag their head and think of the reproach that it brings. And so that's the very purpose for rebuilding the wall. It wasn't just so they would have security, even though they would. It wasn't just so that for some purpose they would be able to defend themselves in the in the in the face of attack it was but the very purpose of rebuilding this wall was to remove the reproach upon the name of God that is the purpose for this wall Dr. Christopher Wright made his observation he said it's not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for His mission in the world. You see, God's given us a mission. Just like He gave Nehemiah, build the wall that there will be no more reproach against my name. God's given you and I the same thing. He's given us a mission. Therefore, go make disciples in all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey and observe all the things that I've commanded you. You see, He's told us we've got to rebuild something too. He's given us our marching orders and there's a plan there for us. And it's not that God has a mission for us to do. It's that we are His church for His mission in the world. Now I want you to notice how the people of Jerusalem responded when they were called to join God in His mission. Nehemiah has presented them with the vision of rebuilding the wall. He is calling them to God's vision and to God's mission. And I want you to look at how they respond. The first thing you're going to notice is that they respond quickly. We read in in chapter 2, verse 17, that Nehemiah challenged the people. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Why? That we will no longer be a reproach. That's the purpose for the wall. First, the people gave a verbal reply. The Bible says that they all shouted with one voice, Let us arise and build. But notice what happens next. In chapter 2, verse 17, so they put their hands to the good work. They didn't just talk about it. They didn't just form a committee to study it. They didn't just budget for it. They did it. They started in the work. Sometimes we're guilty of talking about things but never doing them. That's just kind of the Baptist way of doing things, isn't it? We committee things to death. We, we find something we want to do and so we talk about it and we talk about it and we talk about it. Uh, but we never, we never seem to get around to doing it. But these people put their hands to the work. They said, you know, look, we've got a plan. We've got a mission. God's given it to us and we know what it is. Listen, listen, is planning a bad thing? That's not what he's saying. But here's what he is saying. There comes a time when you've got to put down the blueprint and go to work. And that's what they did. They responded quickly and, and we see that. But I also want us to understand that we find in chapter number 3 that they responded voluntarily. 
They recognized the need for the mission that God had given to them. They recognized that God was at work doing something. God had brought Nehemiah 850 miles, a one-month trip from Susa, where the king's castle was now, to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. God was at work. He had given Nehemiah the, the letters of permission to pass through the provinces Safely. He'd given Nehemiah the, 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 the very equipment and, and materials that were needed to build the wall. There was no need to beg these people, no, they, there was no need to bribe them and there was no need to force them. They couldn't wait to get started. They saw God was doing something and they wanted in on it and they joined God voluntarily. You see, that's what I want us to understand. God doesn't force any of us into His, into His service. He invites us in. He doesn't, he, he doesn't task us and, and, and work us like some kind of slave driver. But instead, like a loving father, he invites his children to join him in what he's doing. The people responded voluntarily. They also responded sacrificially. Now, don't miss that. Many of these workers left their homes outside of the city. To come into the city to work. I want you to notice that in verse 2 of chapter 3, it tells us that there were people from Jericho. In verse number 5, it tells us that there were people from Tekoa. In verse number 7, it tells us there were people from Mizpah and, and many other places. As we read chapter 3, people came to work. They, they wanted to be a part of what God was doing and they, they had to set aside all of their normal daily activities. Some were perfumers. Some were goldsmiths. Others were farmers. Some were shepherds. All of them had to set aside their daily duties to come build a wall. It cost them something to build this wall. It wasn't just that, just show up when you can. It wasn't just do this part-time. They were going to work day and night and night and day to rebuild this wall. That meant they had to leave something behind to do it. And it cost them something. So they were willing to respond sacrificially to what God was calling them to do. They, they, they began quickly doing it. They, they heard the voice of God. They saw the mission of God. They saw the hand of God and quickly they responded. They did it voluntarily. No one had to beg them or plead them. Uh, no one had to form a nominating committee and, and hear, well, I'll pray about it. Well, I'll do it or not. They said, hey, can I do it? Hey, can I help build the wall? Let me be a part of this. God's at work on something here, and I want to be a part of it. Can I be a part of it? And even though it meant sacrificing something and leaving something behind, they were willing to do it. So they responded quickly and voluntarily and sacrificially. But then I want you to see that they responded with anonymity. Here's what I mean. As you read chapter 3, here's what you're going to notice. There's a whole lot of people working on this wall other than the names that are given. You see, there are entire families working together. There's entire communities working together. There are groups of people from outside of the city as well as uh, people from inside of the city and they're all working together. Not every name is given here. We don't know the name of every person that worked on this wall. 
We may know the name of the head of that family. We, we may know the name of the head of that group, but we don't know every name. There were some people that will we'll never know their name who stood shoulder to shoulder with those that we do know their names and they built the wall together. There were groups of people like the priests and the Levites. The people who put their hands to the good work, they weren't doing it for accolades or recognition. They weren't doing it for a pat on the back. They weren't doing it for their name to be published in lights. They were doing it because they loved the God of Israel and the God of Israel had called them to a task and they wanted to be a part of what God was doing. And they knew that people may never know their name other than the people they stood shoulder to shoulder with. And by the way, that's the way ministry takes place. Ministry doesn't take place with one out front leading and then a hierarchy of people trickling down behind them. Ministry takes place when, when believers are shoulder to shoulder, working side by side to get the job done. And that's what they're doing. They're working together in anonymity. They did the work because God had called them to it and they loved the God of Israel and they were willing to do it. They did the work with anonymity. They, they responded quickly. They responded voluntarily. They responded sacrificially. They responded with anonymity. But don't miss that their response is marked by diversity. Now here's what I mean. There are people from every walk of life working on this wall. There are people from all over the places. Uh, there are various places, various ages, various occupations. Some were fathers, some were mothers, some were sons, some were daughters. But they all came together to work as one. It was that diversity there that, that, that we, we seek to, to emulate in the church, knowing that every person has a place. That every person, regardless of their age, regardless of their gender, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their nationality or ethnicity, every person in the kingdom of God has a place to work. And it's a diverse work. We, even today, we, we join hands with those across all different types of, of, of ethnicities and nationalities and we join hands with them all around the world to make sure the gospel is preached to every man and every woman and every boy and every girl. It's not about a group, but about a body. And it is the body of Christ. It's marked by the diversity. All of them came together. The people's response was also marked by solidarity. Simply put, every person showed up for work every day with the same goal and the same purpose. Now that's a miracle of God right there. No one had their own agenda. No one had their own thing that they wanted to be done that day. They all showed up every day with the same goal and the same purpose. Their common purpose was to rebuild the wall that there would no longer be a reproach on the kingdom of God. 
So every day when they got out of their bed and they dressed for the day and they maybe they they ate something to give them nourishment before they left their home maybe they packed their lunch for the day or they they gathered their their water for the day whatever it may have been every, all that they were doing was with solidarity because they knew there was a job that had to be done and I'm part of it today and I'm going to go and I'm going to work and I'm not just going to go and I'm just going to work I'm going to go and I'm going to work with the same purpose and the same mind as the person beside me on both sides as the same people that are working across the city on the other sections of the wall we're all doing it for the same purpose we're all working on the same plan we're all working on the same wall we're all going after the same thing you see there's there's something that happens in the body of Christ when we all understand that we're on the same team there's not a thus, the, uh, us and a them. There's, there's not a they and a we. There, it, there's us. I mean, there's just, we are the body of Christ. Regardless of, uh, of, of our differences and backgrounds and differences that we may have in our languages or, or our ethnicities or whatever it may be, that we're all on the same team. The body of Christ is one. And they worked with solidarity. Because they understood that the work that the people were doing on the other side of the city, on that portion of the wall, was just as important as the part of the wall they were working on. And just as they were called to build their part of the wall, the others were called to build their part of the wall. They worked as one. They worked in solidarity with each other. The people's response was quick, voluntary, sacrificial, anonymous, diverse, solidarity, filled with solidarity. But it was also marked by responsibility. There are 41 separate areas of the wall that needed to be repaired. 41. And every person and every group had an area that they were responsible for. There's 41 different areas. All of them are in, are, is in rubble. Every brick is lying in shambles. Now, remember, they not only had to rebuild a wall, they had to remove the rubble, but they're given a responsibility for their section. And what's in, it was interesting as you read chapter 3 to say this family worked from this point to this point. There was a designated starting area and a designated ending area. And every family, every group had their place where they worked day in and day out. Not everyone was expected to do everything, but everyone was expected to do Something. So it is in the body of Christ. Not everyone is expected to do everything. But everyone is expected to do something. Just as one person has been given a responsibility to 
teach that connect group. Another has been given a responsibility to, to, to work in that nursery. Another has been given a responsibility to, to work on the grounds and the buildings around us. Another has been given a responsibility to lead music or sing with us or to play an instrument. Another has been given a responsibility to do something else. But all of us has been, have been given a responsibility. Being a part of the body of Christ is not a spectator sport. There weren't those who... Do y'all know the professional supervisors? We all know somebody that's that professional supervisor, don't we? They always show up. And they always sit back. And they go, hey, you missed the spot. Why, why, Why didn't you do it that way? Shouldn't we have done that first? But they never lift their hand to the task. Can I, can I tell you something? There were no professional supervisors on this job. Everybody was handed a brick. Everyone was handed a trowel. Everyone was building the scaffolding. Everyone was mixing the mortar. Everyone had a job to do. And they did it with... Gusto, because it was their responsibility. Every one of us is called to do something in the the service of the Lord. None of us are called to do nothing. And Jesus reminds us, by the way, in Mark chapter 9, verses 33 through 35, that greatness in the kingdom of God is marked by our service. Those that are great in the kingdom of God are those who are servants. Not the supervisors, even though we... We've got them. We, not, not just the people who are out front and the most visible, but all who are servants of God. That's where the greatness in the kingdom of God comes from. And that's what Jesus reminds us of. They each had a responsibility. Now, can I back up here for just a second? Because I want to be sensitive to this issue, but I, I do want to bring it out. When you don't do your job, somebody else has to. When you don't do what you're tasked to do, someone else has to. And unfortunately, unfortunately in the the average church, there's a whole lot of people doing someone else's job. Because not everyone is doing their job. And and folks, can I tell you, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. We get sick, we have to take vacations, we have to take vacations. Either come apart or come apart. That's the way it works. Yes, we, we have times when we have to be away. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. But when we're habitually and consistently not showing up for what we're supposed to do, someone else has to carry the load. We have a responsibility. We have a job to do. It's our responsibility to do it. They not only carried out their, responded with responsibility. But I want you to see that they responded devotedly. No one quit the job until it was finished. No one got halfway through and said, you know what? I'm tired of this. I think I want to do something else. And walked off off the work site. No one did that. For 52 days, they showed up for work. 52 days straight, they showed up every single day. They worked day, they worked night. Some worked during the days while, while others slept. Some worked at night while others slept. They all 
showed up for work. They did it every day. When the governors of the surrounding provinces began to make threats against them, can I tell you what? They showed up. Yes, it was becoming to be, it was becoming a dangerous proposition when they, when they had to show up and they had to hold a spear in one hand and a trowel in the other hand and, and constantly watch their back and keep their head on a swivel. Because they were worried about attack. Nobody said, you know what, I don't need this. This is not what I signed up for. This is too hard. This is too difficult. This is getting way out of the, uh, of my comfort zone. I'm putting my, I'm going home, man. You, you do it. You do you. I'm going. I'm out of here. They didn't do it. They stayed to the task. Most scholars believed that they did work day and night in, to, in order to accomplish God's will for building the wall and no matter how tough things got, no matter how scary things became, no matter how many threats were thrown their way, they refused to quit. I believe that's what God expects of us. Yeah, it's tough. Can I tell you something? It's tough. It's tough studying it week after week to teach that connect group. It's tough showing up every, every time we are scheduled to do so to change those smelly diapers. It's tough. It's tough. But we don't do it because it's easy. We do it because we're called to do it. And that's what God's called us to do. See, they were, they were devoted to what? When they said, let us arise and build, they weren't, they weren't playing around. Those weren't idle words. When they say, yeah, I'm up for it. When they say, give me, give me a, a task, I'm ready. They weren't just playing around. It wasn't just for a small season or a short time. It was until the job was done. They were there. The people responded devotedly. They also responded cooperatively. I'm not sure everyone working on the wall got along with everyone else working on the wall. Does that make sense? Not everyone working on the wall got along with everyone working on the wall. That guy owes me money. That guy over there, he he started a rumor about me about a month ago. That, that person over there, they criticized the way I do my job. I, I heard them. I heard them. I heard them do it. Not everybody that worked on the wall got along with everyone who worked on the wall. But guess what they did? They laid aside their differences in order to get the job done. Now that, my friend, is when we're truly answering God's call. They said, you know what, I, I may not be the best fan of that person right there. But I'm willing to join them in this task if this is what it means. If we got to rebuild a wall, let's build a wall. I, 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 may not, I may not agree with everything that they say and everything that they do. I may not agree with everything, but you know what? I've been given the same task they've been given and let's build a wall together. They were willing to lay aside their differences in order to get the job done. And by the way, can I just go ahead and tell you that personality conflicts are the biggest obstacles to the the church fulfilling its mission today? You you know what keeps the church from being so strong and vibrant and, and effective in the world today? We don't like each other. I'm just being, am I not being honest? 
I'm being as transparent and honest as I We just don't like each other. Well, if they're going to be there, I'm not going to do it. If they got to work beside of me, I'm count me out. Personality conflicts is by far the biggest obstacle to the church accomplishing its mission today. Can I tell you something? Nowhere in the Bible does it say we have to like each other. You can try to find it. If, you, if I'm wrong, please bring me that scripture. I want to see it. But you know what it does tell me? I have to love you. And whether you like it or not, you're supposed to love me. Oh, I know. I make it hard. I get it. I get it. I get it. I, I, it's not always easy. Talk to my wife. She'll tell you. She's been with me for 38 years, soon be 39. She'll be the first one to tell you. There's some days I, I love the guy, but I really don't like him very much. You see, that is what it means to be part of the body of Christ. I, I, I may not like everything about everybody, but I work with them because we're part of the same body. And we've been called to the same task. Next, they work within proximity to each other. I love as you read through chapter ten, uh, chapter 3, excuse me. You know what you keep seeing over and over again? These phrases. And next to him, and then it calls the name of another family. Or, or it may say, and after him, and it calls the name of another family. Uh, there, there's... It shows that they work shoulder to, excuse me, shoulder to shoulder. To the work to be accomplished, people have to work side by side. It's it's not a it's not about just me doing my job and them doing theirs. Sometimes we have to work side by side. We have to join hands with each other. Remember that game you played when you were a kid, Red Rover. Red Rover, Red Rover. Uh, Remember how the strength of the chain was dependent on how tightly you held the hand of the person beside of you? Now, now I get it. In, in, In grade school, we played that. For girls, the guys had cooties. And, and for, and for guys, the girls were ooh, you know. And so we held the hands very lightly. We held, we held them like this. And then we played Red Rover, they'd break the chain every time, wouldn't they? But when we grasped hands, we, we both held tight. They held me tight, I held them tight. Guess what? The chain rarely broke. I think that's what God wants from us as believers, as the body of Christ. He wants us to hold on to each other tightly. Because there's an enemy out there that's trying to break us apart. There's an enemy out there that wants to divide us from each other, that wants to to break the fellowship that we have with one another. And you know what holds it together? is when you and I hold each other tight in the love of Christ. And the enemy can't break the chain. They worked in proximity. They worked simultaneously. In other words, everyone worked at the same time. Everyone did what they did at the same time. It wasn't, you go do your thing, then I'll go do my thing, or I'll do my thing, then you go do your thing. Everybody worked at the same time. 
Everybody was always on the job. Everyone was showing up and doing their part and taking responsibility for what they were called to do. Twelfthly. See, I knew if I told you there were twelve things at the beginning of this service, half of you would freak out. But lastly, twelfthly, the people responded comprehensively. Nehemiah gives us a description of every part of the wall and every group or person or family that worked on it. Side by side, in harmony, with singleness of heart, the people put their hands to the good work. They worked as a body and they built that wall. The entire wall had someone working on it at all times until the task was completed. Chapter 3 is a difficult chapter. Just to read through it about this person with a very difficult name worked beside this person with a very difficult name. And they worked from this gate to that gate or they worked from this tower to that tower. It can, you, you can get lost in that. But, but don't miss the picture. Can I tell you something? I, I've always heard it and, 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 and I believe it to be true that you'll find Jesus in every page of this book. And I believe you find Jesus in that third chapter of Nehemiah. Because we saw Jesus do this with his disciples, as he called that zealot and that fisherman and that tax collector and that no name and that person who, who we would have never known had he not been a part of the disciples. Even that, even that, one who questioned who Jesus really was and was willing to betray him for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus called every one of them and he gave them a task to do. And then he called them to go do the work. And we see what happens in the book of Acts when they take their job seriously. That little band of 12 would become a group of 120 in Acts chapter 2 who would then change the world because they would go into all the world preaching the gospel. We see in chapter 3, God is calling for us to find our place where we fit in and go to work. Stop making excuses. But go to work. It shows us what happens when believers choose to work together to accomplish God's work. And that only leaves us with the question we started with. Except a little differently, instead of where do I fit in, I ask of you today, where do you fit in? Well, I don't fit in anywhere. Oh, yeah, you do. You got a place. You may not have found it yet. 
But you've got a place and you've got a job and you've, there's something God wants you to do. If you're born again, saved by grace, washed in the blood of Jesus, part of the body of Christ, you've got a task that He's called you to. But are you doing it? Are you doing it? In just a moment, we're going to stand, we'll sing together. The, the time of invitation is, is, is our opportunity to decide what we're going to do with the truth we've been given. So here's, here's the thing. None of us are going to walk out of here now ignorant of this truth. We can't say, I didn't know. Nobody told me. Now we know. So now we're responsible for that truth. So our, our responsibility is now, what do I do with it? Just like every person who was called to build this wall, they had a choice to make. Do I get on board and I start building? Do I go sit in the house and grumble about all the noise they're making outside? All the dust that's flying around. Or, or do I become part of what God wants done? That's your responsibility. That's my responsibility. That's your job. That's my job. That's, that's what you have to answer. That's what I have to answer. And today's a great time to answer that question. Lord, where do I fit in? What is it you're calling me to do? God, help me to be like the, these families, these men, these women, these children who heard your call to the task and they embraced it wholeheartedly. And they worked until the job was done. Lord, let me be that person. Show me where I'm at on the wall. Hand me a brick. Hand me a trowel. And I'll get to work today. That's our decision now. Father, I thank you. You could do it without us. Lord, you, could, you are all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise. There's nothing outside of your control. There's nothing outside of your ability, Lord. You can do it without us. But thank you, O oh God, that you choose to do it with us. That you call us to your task. You show us our portion of the wall. You, you give us the materials that we need. You equip us spiritually. You equip us physically. You, you give us everything we need to do what you're calling us to do. Lord, forgive us of the times when we've walked away instead of embracing that task. Lord, I, I don't know what you're calling every person in this sanctuary to right now, but no one's here by accident. Every person in this room is here because they had a divine appointment with you today. We're not hearing this by accident. We're not in chapter 3 of Nehemiah by accident. All of this is according to your design and your plan and your desire. So now, Lord, it's our turn to respond to you. You've, you, you've presented us with truth. You've presented us with the task. Give us the courage to say yes. Give us the courage to lay aside all the things that have hindered us in the past. And today, Lord, take up our place on the wall.
to do that which you've called us to do so that your name may be made great and that the reproach that is against your name because of our failings would be removed. Lord, let today be the day we all go to work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing together.
Amen. Thank you so much. Don, if you'll go ahead and make your way up front. He had a quick announcement, and I'm, we're just going to remain standing while he does that. And uh, listen, I want you to know something. I love you guys. I love this church. I love you. And if anybody has told you that today, can I be the first one to tell you I love you? Uh, and I appreciate so much uh, the saints of God that make up First Baptist Church of Locust. And uh, I, I love working on the wall beside of you. I really do. Some of you are some killer bricklayers, and you know how to build a wall, and I, I love working beside of you. And if you're not involved, I'd love uh, to see you get involved so that I can work beside you as well. Brother Don, I'm going to let you make your announcement and dismiss us in prayer. Okay. Right. As most of you probably know, I'm on the nominating committee, me and a couple of other people, and uh, I need your help. We are going to be starting a new year probably before long, and I need some help on the nominating committee. I know a lot of you don't really know what that encompasses. It's it's really very easy, but I need help in order to perform the task that God has called me to do. And I don't take this lightly. It's just like anything else God asked me to do. I do not take it lightly, and I take a lot of seriousness with it. So uh, pray about it. Ask what God would want you to do if he wants you to serve on the nominating committee. Great. If you don't, do something else. But do serve because it, it's such a rewarding experience to, uh, to serve our, our God. He, he has done so much for us. and It's not a matter of repaying. It's just a matter of serving a God that we love and that loves us very much. So take it to heart. Pray about it. Think about it. Let me know what you want to do. Okay? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We praise you. You are so much to us, Lord. We cannot thank you enough for what you do for us. Go with us uh, into the world and let us be a witness and a light to you. And let us spread the gospel and uh, do what you have called us to do, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.